How's the light? Is the light okay? This week, we've got a video. It's a follow-up video from the Equity Financial Partners video that I made a couple of weeks ago where I got a question on YouTube from someone who simply asked, how do I make my deals look better for Equity Financial Partners? Let's think about this. Hey there, everyone. It's uh, David Barnett from davidcbarnett.com, the blog site, YouTube channel, iTunes podcast, where I talk about buying, selling, managing, financing small businesses, as well as any kind of questions that business people, entrepreneurs, business owners want to send in to me. Today, I'm going to talk a little bit more about equity financial partners. I made a video a couple weeks ago, and I'll put a link down below in the YouTube notes uh, so you can go watch that one if you haven't already. But basically, the video I was in the video I was talking about how you can attract other people into a business and you know use their money in order to achieve your goals. And I got a question from someone saying, "How do I make my deal better so that people will want to participate?" And in a word, uh, basically, it comes down to how are you going to use the money? Where is the money going to go? So let me tell you a little story. Um, and it actually relates to another video, which is many years old on this channel, uh, which was the mini storage mess video, I believe it was called, where I talked about how some zoning rules and building permits foiled my attempt, along with some partners, to build a mini storage business. And so when I saw that opportunity, when I saw the piece of land and looked at the zoning and saw that I could put a mini storage on it and the land was affordable, one of the things that I knew is that I did not want to be on the hook for payments while I was not receiving any income, right? So it's, it's one of the things that I talk about a lot is we want to match cash flows. So you don't want to have a liability where you have to pay out every month without having an income that's going to offset that. So what I decided to do is, is I went around, I made several phone calls to people, I created a plan, a budget, and we were going to need, and the numbers are from years ago, remember, so we were going to need like 50 grand to buy the land, and then we were also going to need some more cash for operating expenses, and then we were going to need the down payment on the building part, because eventually we would have a mortgage on the building. So I believe I raised about... $80,000. So what I did is I started calling people and I said, I have a plan and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise money to buy this piece of land with no mortgage and then we're going to get a mortgage to build the building and then when the building is open, we can then have customers and we'll have cash flow to service the mortgage. And so I literally made nine phone calls to people that I knew and managed to raise uh, $80,000 with the biggest investor, I think, having only put in about 15 grand. So really, a bunch of people threw in some money, and uh, we bought the land. And then we went through the whole rigmarole of the zoning issue and the building permits. And you go back and watch the mini storage mess video if you want to see what happened. But essentially, I was sitting there now with a company that had a bunch of partners. They'd all put in money. Uh, we had spent some money on design work. We had spent some money with the surveyor. We had sent, spent some money on property taxes for the piece of land. And we had no income. And it was then decided that we weren't going to go ahead and build the mini storage. We were going to put the land up for sale. So what we then did is we distributed the excess cash because we had a bank account with close to $30,000 in it. We gave that back to people on a pro rata basis, certain amount per share. And then we actually ended up, it took us about a year and a half to sell the piece of land. And then when we got that money, we distributed it to the shareholders and we wound up the company. Now, here's what happened at the end. And I remember this number very clearly. 
everyone got about 87 cents back for every dollar that they had put in. So there was a loss. That's right. No question there was a loss. But what had propelled people to get into business? Number one, these were all people that knew me. So they, they knew that I was a smart guy and I probably knew what I was doing and that they trusted me, right? So that was number one. But number two, what was the money for? It was going to buy a piece of real estate and sit in the bank. So it's not like I was going to use the money to put television ads on that may or may not draw people into my business and increase my sales and profits. So because the money was being used for something that in itself held value, you know, cash in the bank is cash, it, you know, dollars remain there, and the real estate, while it might take you a while to sell, it still holds value. So they knew that if things didn't work out, there was a good chance they would get their money or most of their money back. And so those two things together, their confidence in me and the fact that the money was being used for something that was durable meant that they were comfortable doing the deal. So if you're in business and you're trying to grow or you're trying to acquire a business and you go looking for these equity financial partners, that's the very first thing that we have to consider if we're going to make our deal more attractive to them is what are we going to be using the money for. So for example, if you were going to expand an existing business and you needed to have more machinery, equipment, or inventory, then what you could say to people if they were going to invest equity in your business is you could say, I'm going to use the money for inventory so it's going to remain like a durable thing that's going to turn over and produce cash. And that may be a lot more palatable to investors than, say, a restaurant saying, I'm going to invest in creating a new menu, having them printed, and doing an ad campaign. Because once that money's been spent on those things, uh, if it doesn't work, there's nothing then left to get our hands on in order to try to recoup some of that investment or liquidate or, or what have you. So that's the biggest thing that I can say about how to make a deal more attractive to equity investors is figuring out what the money is going to be used for. And of course, ultimately, if the money is going to be used for something really durable, like a piece of machinery or a vehicle or what have you, then as the owner of a business, we have to ask ourselves, why do we want to have other equity partners come in when we could probably use some form of debt, um, which is then backed by that asset, and give the person ultimately a lower rate of return. When people buy equity, they're looking for the highest rate of return because they know they're taking the biggest amount of risk. Now, if we're talking about buying a business, this really poses a problem, and here's, and here's why. Um, usually, we go after debt financing for the durable things. So if there's equipment, inventory, vehicles, a building, for example, we go to the banker who then takes security on those things. And the part that we're trying to get equity for the, you know, is basically the part after that, the goodwill, the, the intangible sort of value. And that's what makes it so difficult to attract those equity investors is because we're not left with anything that we can really offer them. I have seen successful deals where people have been able to put together a deal to buy a business and then they've attracted some other debt or equity investors to come in after the transaction to help finance an expansion. But if you're looking for someone to finance simply the goodwill aspect of a business purchase, the number one go-to, of course, is the seller, the vendor financing component. But if we need more equity, then it's likely going to have to be people that simply believe in you and believe in the project. And believing in the project is going to come down to looking at what the previous owner has done and if he's got a solid record of sales and cash flow. And, you know, good luck. 
Uh, it's difficult. It's hard to get people to invest in a small business. Uh, if business was easy, everyone would be doing it. And like I always say, if you can't seem to find anyone willing to put up some money, sometimes that's a great indication that it's time to pause and re-examine the risk profile of the whole deal because maybe they're seeing it in a way that, uh, that you should contemplate as well. If you are thinking about buying a business and you haven't already, you should go over to businessbuyeradvantage.com, sign up for my online course. Uh, this past week, three people did, and I even got some positive feedback from people saying that they had no idea how much they were going to be learning and that they were enjoying it immensely so far which is the kind of feedback I get. Of course, it comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, as do all my online programs, and uh, not one single person has ever asked for a refund, which makes me super confident in the value. And if you already run a business or own one or you plan to, um, build a business that people will want to buy is another online program that I think you should look at investing in, and uh, you can find that at easysmallbizsystems.com. Thanks to everyone. Don't forget to sign up for my email list, and you can find that over at my blog at davidcbarnett.com. Thanks, and we'll see you soon.